Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. It occurred to me this week as I was preparing this message while preaching six other messages at camp that the, probably the two most dynamic and effective leaders in Israel's history were both shepherds. Moses, you remember, left Egypt at the age of 40, went to Midian, fell in love with a shepherd's daughter, and was a shepherd for 40 years before God called him to go back to Egypt to set his people free. You may remember that David was a shepherd boy. In fact, when Samuel came and looked at all of David's tall, strong, handsome brothers, Samuel thought surely one of them would be the king. And God said, no, no, not any of these. And Samuel said to David's father, do you have any more sons? He says, oh yeah, the little ones out in the field. And they called David in and God said, that shepherd is going to be my king. So why would God call shepherds to lead his people? Well, I think that the psalm, the 23rd psalm, gives us a very clear presentation. There's three sections if you're taking notes. Oh, by the way, that was fun. One of the churches that had been at camp last year, you remember I encouraged them all to start taking notebooks. We we're going to start a notebook revival. They all came in with their notebooks and said, Doc, We've been taking notes all year. Make sure you talk slowly. There's sort of a joke there, but I do have a, a, a habit of getting heated up and talking really fast. So here are the three parts of the psalm, and they want to look at it. The first one is David's exclamation. He exclaims, the Lord is my shepherd. The second one are David's expectations. As a sheep... These are the four things that the shepherd promises me. And then David's exaltation, his celebration of being a sheep of the good shepherd. Now, I spent all week talking about what I call a three-legged stool. I encouraged the children, the youth, to build their faith on a three-legged stool. The first leg of the stool was prayer. The second leg of the school was scripture. And the third leg of the stool was the Holy Spirit. On the opening night, I gave every youth a three-by-five card, asked them to put their name on the front, and a prayer request on the back. We put them in one of those little plastic three-by-five card boxes, and we designated a room, a prayer room. Several churches that I've been reading about lately have made a, prayer, a specific prayer room, not the sanctuary in their church, that people can go in and pray. So I made it very clear. We're going to put the cards next to the box. When you pray for somebody, put the card in the box. If you put the last card in the box, take all the cards out and we'll start over. And I have to tell you that the cards all week long move from the table to the box. I went in there once, there were five teens praying at the same time, and they were trading the cards like old-time baseball cards. I prayed for these, who's got more? And they were switching them around. I also promised them that I would get up at 6.30 and be in the room, and there were people that met with me to pray through the box. We celebrated the first leg of the school by stool by praying. The second one was Scripture, and the third, the Holy Spirit. The 
So when I taught them how to study scripture, I said, there's really four things you need to do. You need to listen, you need to read, you need to memorize, and you need to meditate. And I got to tell you, we don't really talk about meditating a lot. So we took Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And one of the easiest ways to meditate is to emphasize each word. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. See how that works? So David says in his exclamation, the Lord is my shepherd. Let's try that. The Lord is my shepherd. 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 Do you see how that works? David, the shepherd, is claiming the right to be a sheep of the good shepherd. The second thing David talks about are his expectations. And these are pretty clear. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. Spiritually, God says, if you are connected to me, if you're using that three-legged stool we talked about at camp, you will never want spiritually. God says, I will provide for you the spiritual food you need. Now, I'm sort of glad that we don't lie down in our dinner, but sheep do. Aren't you sort of glad we don't have to lie down in the spaghetti to eat it? But a sheep lying down in a green pasture is assured a bounty for his dinner or her dinner. Sheep are very timid, skittish. There's a great book written by a shepherd about sheep. It's called A Shepherd uh, de de Describes the 23rd Psalm. And they have to have still water because if the water is moving, one sheep will, sheep will run and then they'll all run. And then they never get any water. So God says, not only will I give you ample spiritual food, but I'll make sure that you can receive it in a way that speaks to your soul. And he says, if you stay close to my word and my heart, I'll restore your soul. So it is my goal at camp, and I, I tell them this on Sunday, to learn every student's name and something about them. And I take my balloon animals. And I say, talk to me while I make you a balloon animal. Then I give them the list. You've heard the list. I can make a dog, a sitting dog, a dog with a tail, a wiener dog. Make a giraffe, a parrot on a swing, a hummingbird, a bumblebee, a monkey. And, of course, my very popular snail. And while I blow up the balloon and make it, how old are you? Where do you go to school? Are you a musician or an athlete? What do you play? That works for either of those. And I get to know the youth. What I was unprepared for was that up in the prayer room, these kids wrote some intensely deep things on the back of the card. Pray for me because I'm having mental distress over where to choose my college. I'm anxious. I'm depressed. Uh, one of the churches had one of their community kids in a tractor accident. He had lost both legs. And there were about 10 cards in the pile praying for, his name is Mason. 
and for his family and, and for how they could minister to him because this is something that they hadn't experienced before. I not only got to know my sheep for the week, but I got to know their heart. So on Wednesday, Vicky says, you sound exhausted. I said, Vicki, camp is exhausting. A lot more exhausting when I'm 62 than it was when I was 17. I said, but it's an emotional toll. I'm more connected to these kids this year than ever before. So I'm here to say that I needed a break yesterday for the Holy Spirit to restore my soul. Now, the other thing that David talks about after his four expectations is that life for a sheep is not always perfect. I'm sorry if you're here thinking that once you give your heart to Jesus, no problems happen. You have smooth sailing. It's not true. Why? Because he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You may remember my story about the little boy wanting to ride the roller coaster. And he was afraid. And the man came over and said, Do you want to ride the roller coaster? And the kid goes, Yeah. And he says, Looks high and fast, doesn't it? And it had corkscrews and, and loop-de-loops, high drops. The man got down on one knee and he looked the boy in the eye and he said, Son, I made this roller coaster. I designed it from the very beginning. I drew the plans. I know every nut. I know every bolt. I know every curve. I've ridden this over a thousand times. Would you like me to ride it with you? That's why we fear no evil. Hebrews tells us that we have a high priest that was tempted in every way that we were, that struggled every way that we do. Our shepherd, in essence, wants to ride the roller coaster with us. He says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I want to be clear that the rod was like a little wisp of willow. And if the sheep got out of line, he'd just lightly tap them, usually on the ear, and the sheep would get back in line. The rod, the shepherd's staff, or sorry, the staff with the hook on the end was for rescuing the sheep or protecting them from wild animals. Thy rod, thy correction, and thy staff, thy protection, comfort me. Then David finishes, I love this, with an exaltation. The able provider, the able protector, I'm sorry, becomes the abundant provider. I'll say that again. The able protector with the rod and the staff is the abundant provider. And David makes a list, a celebration. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. My cup runneth over. There's so much. There's, I can't hold it all. Thou anointest my head with oil. That went healing in the old days. Oil for the for the Jews, and then later for the Romans, because you remember the Good Samaritan put oil on the wounds, actually acted as a bandage and an antiseptic. It kept the bacteria and the germs from getting in. And then he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And you remember, we've talked about this before, that Hebrew only has two tenses. They have completed action and incompleted action, and if it's an incompleted action, it means that it's expected to be complete. So when I was a little boy, I thought, why do I want goodness and mercy to follow me all the days of my life? What it actually means is it will follow me and catch me. 
Surely goodness and mercy will catch me all the days of my life. Now, I, I was reading John MacArthur, and he said something I'd never heard before. I memorized when I was a little boy, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. John MacArthur said that some scholars translate that, I will return to the house of the Lord forever. So here's four things I want you to think about. Sheep don't shepherd themselves. Sheep don't tell the shepherd where to go. They don't tell the shepherd where to lie down. Sheep are not in charge. The shepherd is. And as sheep of the good shepherd, we need to follow his word and the shepherds he places over us. Because sheep don't shepherd themselves. The second thing is sheep need a leader. Sheep need somebody to pick a direction and say we're going that way. Sheep need a protector. We need somebody to stand up and say, this is right, and this is wrong, and this is what we need to do. And there is a paradox here, because we are called to be shepherds, but we're also called to be sheep. We are called to care for, pray for, provide for, and sometimes provide correction for our fellow sheep. One of the little girls hugged me yesterday morning. Doc, she said, I had a great week. I said, good. And she said, did anybody ever tell you you look like Santa Claus? Well, I said, not when I was younger, but I, I am sort of manifesting the Santa Claus look. I got the gray hair and the gray beard and the uh, robust waistline. And I, it occurred to me that when I was a little boy, I was always trying to figure things out. We talked about this once, that great song in the garden where it says, we'll walk by his side in the way. And I wanted to know why Jesus wanted us in his way. Because my dad always said, boy, get out of the way. So I'm going to date myself, but there was a Santa Claus at Corvettes. There was a Santa Claus at Pennies. There was a Santa Claus at Sears. There was a Santa Claus riding on the fire truck in my town. Remember when Santa Claus used to go around and the firemen would give out uh, candy canes? I knew they couldn't all be Santa Claus in my little boy mind. Because I knew there was only one Santa Claus. Who are all these fake Santa Clauses, I asked my mom. She said, well, they're Santa's helpers. Santa lets them wear his clothes and ride around and and hear all the requests, and then they report back to Santa Claus. Well, you know what? We are helpers of the good shepherd. We are, in essence, the shepherd's helpers. Our shepherd needs us. He calls us, he equips us to be his helpers. I want you to start thinking of yourself as a co-shepherd. Well, what does that look like? I, I want you to remember your parables of shepherds that Jesus told. We're not going to look at each of them. I'm just going to remind you. But the first thing that we learned is that the shepherd was the door to the pen. You remember that in the, in the first century, the pen was there and there was a place for the gate, but there wasn't a gate. The shepherd would lay down and be the gate so that nothing that wanted to harm the sheep could get in and the sheep couldn't get out. The shepherd is a gatekeeper. He's the actual gate. 
This is one we all talk about, one of our favorites. The shepherd left the 90 and 9 to go find the one. A good shepherd seeks out lost sheep. Now you remember that Jesus said he was the good shepherd and that the hired shepherds would run away when it got dangerous or scary. But the good shepherd stayed with the sheep. And the last thing you might remember is Jesus said, a good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. And Jesus laid down his life for us. If you've never given your heart to the shepherd who laid down his life for you, and you'd like to today, while uh, my, our deacons are cooking hamburgers and hot dogs for our shepherd's barbecue, seek out one of the pastors or one of the deacons, and we would love the opportunity to pray with you. If you feel the call to be a sheep and a shepherd and to help care for the flock, again, seek out one of our pastors and our deacons, and we would love the opportunity to pray with you. Finally, if you have a challenge, a life issue, or a personal concern, and you would like some counsel and prayer, again, our pastors and our deacons would love the opportunity to pray with, pray with you because we want to be good shepherds. Amen.